Breaking news this hour from townhall.com. I'm Rich Thomason. There are no survivors. The military confirms the deaths of five Marines on board a helicopter that crashed in bad weather in the mountains outside San Diego. The copter vanished late Tuesday night while returning to Marine Corps Air Station Miramar in San Diego after training at Creech Air Force Base northwest of Las Vegas. The commander of an Iran-backed militia responsible for the attack that killed three American soldiers in Jordan is dead, killed in a U.S. airstrike on a vehicle in Iraq. No word of any breakthroughs for America's top diplomat in his latest Mideast peace mission. Sitting around a large meeting table in Tel Aviv, Secretary of State Antony Blinken spoke to Israeli officials. Blinken is in the region to try to broker a deal between Israel and Hamas, which he says is still possible, despite both sides being far apart on the central terms for a deal. Those diplomatic efforts were rattled earlier when Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rejected a detailed three-phase plan by Hamas that would unfold over four and a half months. I'm Karen Shamas. The Biden administration is imposing tougher clean air standards blasted by critics as a job killer. A new rule from the EPA sets an air quality level that states and counties must achieve in the coming years to reduce pollution from power plants, vehicles and industrial sites. The government says the move could prevent thousands of premature deaths a year. Environmental and public health groups welcome the tougher standards, while industry groups warn it could lead to the loss of manufacturing jobs and even shut down power plants or refineries. Greg Clugston, Washington. And ahead of the opening bell on Wall Street, stock futures are mixed. Right now, the Dow futures 12 points higher. NASDAQ futures are down 25 points. More on these stories at townhall.com. Retirement Outlook. If your retirement account is mostly stocks or bonds, listen closely. The future of your savings may be more uncertain than ever before. Hi, I'm Paul Stone, CEO of Colonial Metals. The sad truth is our government continues to eat away at our freedoms and security. In economic times like these, run around the flagpole by lunatics in Washington... I look to the most trusted store of wealth in human history, physical gold and silver that you own. At Colonial Metals, we specialize in helping folks with IRAs and 401ks and other retirement accounts move their savings into physical gold and silver. If you'd like a free gold investment kit, give us a call today at 820-800-8000. My team is standing by ready to rush a free gold investment kit to you. You may also qualify for $7,500 in free silver and a free safe. Call 820-800. 8,000 now. That's 820-800-8000. Colonial Metals is not a financial advisor. Consult with your advisor before investing. That's 820-800-8000. This KMZQ News Flash powered by Palm Mortuaries and Cemetery. Stay active, be healthy, they'd rather wait. Well, thanks for asking, but no. The Clark County School Board turned down Superintendent Jesus Yara's resignation request that included a contract amendment and a buyout offer. After a long discussion in a jam-packed school board meeting yesterday, the board voted 3-4 to four on a motion to approve Jara's resignation and buyout offer. The panel later gave the okay to negotiate a contract termination. Officials with the Clark County Education Association, the Teachers Union, called the timing of Jara's resignation, quote, very suspicious and added they think there's a scandal brewing. 
Jara has been superintendent since 2018. He's faced very vocal opposition and criticism during his tenure on topics like student achievement, his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, and distance learning, as well as a contentious teacher contract negotiation. The reason for his resignation has yet to be revealed, but in his letter to the school board, Jara said his departure date is effective February 21st. Las Vegas home prices stay strong while the housing supply shrinks. Las Vegas Realtors reports the median sales price for an existing single-family home here in Southern Nevada was $445,000 in January. That's up 4.7% from the same time last year, but still well below the all-time high of $482,000. That was set back in May of 2022. Local real estate experts say the tight housing market continues to hamper sales while also keeping the prices up. More than 3,500 homes were listed for sale in January without any offer being made on them. That's down nearly 35% from the same time last year. January sales pace equals a housing supply of less than two and a half months. Take AM670 with you wherever you go. Check out our website at 670kmzq.com. Click on that Listen Live button. Flu season is here. You and your family need to boost your superpowers. Get vaccinated. And remember, you can vaccinate your family from six months of age at your nearest health center, pharmacy, vaccine clinic, or certain community centers. Remember that flu can especially affect over 65-year-olds, adults with certain chronic diseases, pregnant women, and children under five. Keep them super immune. Check with your health care provider or go to immunizenevada.org. With health, there is life. This message is sponsored by Immunize Nevada, aired in cooperation with the Nevada Broadcasters Association and this station. KMCQ on time traffic is powered by Meineke Car Care Centers. Right now, you can get an oil change for only $39.95. Meineke, doing car care right. No reported accidents on our Valley freeways, but really seeing a slowdown beginning there through the resort corridor on I-15 southbound really tightens up just past Sahara, and it's going to stay that way all the way down toward Tropicana and Russell Road because of all the ongoing construction. So as far as freeways go, you're moving along safely right now. We do have one uh, leftover injury accident at the west side intersection of Sahara and Durango. These rain clouds will part, leaving us with mostly sunny skies by afternoon and highs in the low 50s today. It's 39 degrees right now. I'm Mark Thomas with your on-time traffic and weather on AM670 KMZQ. The best way to get something done... If you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot him, uh, foot, foot. Check it out. And 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 Joan, Shengang, Shengang's password, Shanga. Can I just say that of all the idiots in all the idiot villages. In all the idiot worlds, you stand alone. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Wall. Fun lovers and truth seekers, you have come to the right place. It is live and local for a Thursday, February 8th. Good to have you with us. It is caucus day, presidential caucus day here in uh, uh, the uh, state of Nevada. Good to have you with us. Uh, my name is Kevin Wall. We'll take you right up till 9 o'clock. Um, 
this this is a number that should scare you to death. Uh, any of you that have seen uh, what has gone on in major American cities, including New York, you saw two cops beat up by a bunch of uh, illegal immigrants uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Gallup polls show that 63% of Americans think that the crime problem is, quote, extremely or very serious, unquote. Uh, that is up from 54% in 2021. Again, 63% now, 54% uh, in uh, uh, back in uh, 54% back in 2021. How serious is the crime problem, and and why is the media, why is the mainstream media, the fake news media, trying to uh, tell us it's not happening? Uh, that's why we have uh, reached out to Zach Smith. He is the senior uh, legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation and joins us. Zach, good morning. Good to have you with us. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. Well, good to be with you, Kevin, and I appreciate you having me on this morning. So how serious is this crime uptick, and and, and when did it actually begin? Yeah, look, this crime uptick is very, very serious, particularly if you look at the increase in violent crimes, things like shootings and homicides. And if you listen to a lot of folks on the left, they want you to believe this is a result of COVID or a result of the lockdowns that happened. And that's just not true, because if you look in certain cities like Philadelphia, for example, uh, where left wing radical politicians, particularly radical rogue prosecutors, were put into office, crime started increasing under their watch long before COVID. And unfortunately, today, crime in many of those cities remains much too high. I want to ask you, because you you and uh, Cully Stimson did a really great job in an op-ed piece going city by city, a major American cities like Los Angeles and Chicago and other cities, uh, uh, and, 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 you, and you chronicled the, the rise, the uptick, the, uh, the uh, rise in crime. Uh, is there a common denominator in, in all of these different cities, any one common thread that runs through all of them? Yeah, there are a couple. You know, unfortunately, many of these cities adopted uh, soft on crime policies long before the pandemic. They adopted policies such as defund the police. They've put handcuffs on their police officers in terms of their ability to go out and proactively police in their communities. Many of their police departments are grossly understaffed. And then again, each of those cities, L.A., Chicago, Philadelphia, have rogue prosecutors in office who are refusing to prosecute crimes that the police do make arrests for. And so when you put it in that context and look at kind of that toxic trio of defunding the police, demoralizing the police, and then having a rogue prosecutor that refuses to do his or her job, it shouldn't come as a surprise that crime rates are are very, very high. Again, Zach Smith, the legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation, joining us. Uh, What did you think when you saw that horrific video of two New York City cops being beaten up by by a gang of thugs, uh, illegal immigrants? What did you think when you when you saw that? Shameful. It's shameful. And I'm outraged by it. And I'm even more outraged, Kevin, because those illegal aliens who came into our country illegally, committed crimes, were released on bail shortly after attacking those New York City police officers. 
Now, think about the absurdity of that, Kevin. Uh, the two purposes of bail are typically designed to make sure that someone's going to show up for future court dates and to make sure that if someone is released, they're not going to pose a danger to themselves or other members of the community. Well, if you're in the country illegally with no ties to the community, certainly seems like you're a flight risk. And if you've attacked a New York City police officer, and then as you're exiting the police station, you flip the cameras, the media, you know, two middle fingers uh, on your way out, it certainly seems like you have a lack of respect for our country's laws and would certainly pose a danger to the community. So it's, it's absolutely ridiculous and absolutely outrageous. We've talked a lot uh, just in the last few minutes about the, the current surge in crime. But overall, over the last 20, 30 years, crime has actually come down, has it not? Yeah, it has. And part of the reason crime has been trending down until the last several years is because, because communities engaged in common sense, proactive practices that allowed police to go out and make arrests for crimes and then prosecutors who would follow through and prosecute those offenders. I mean, think back to the early 1990s in New York City with Bill Bratton and Rudy Giuliani, where they engaged in broken window policing. They enforced the small things so that they didn't steamroll into larger and larger issues. Uh, and unfortunately, I think too many cities, too many politicians have become complacent and have gotten away from that common sense approach that we know works to bring down violent crime rates. Now, this has all happened uh, with with uh, citizens being an eyewitness to all of this violence and uh, uh, the, the, the robberies. And, and, and uh, I mean, it, it's horrible. But what, what do people think? I mean, what, what do citizens, I mean, this is happening right in front of their own eyes. Yeah, well, if you listen to many folks on the left, they'll tell you, don't believe your lying eyes. <laughs> that crime actually isn't that big of a problem. And that's actually coming down uh, over the past several years. I think there are a few important points to make to push back against that. One, unfortunately, national crime level data is notoriously unreliable. Many cities don't report their data to the FBI. Some of the biggest cities with the highest violent crime rates don't report their data. So that data tends to be skewed. The other thing to keep in mind is that national and even state level crime rates don't really tell us much. Crime tends by and large to be a highly localized phenomenon. And so I'll give you an example. In the state of Illinois, it has an extremely high murder rate if you look at the state level data. But guess what? If you take Chicago and Cook County, Illinois out of the equation, Illinois' murder rate falls by 50%, more than 50%, because most murders in the state are concentrated in the city of Chicago. And so if you really want to understand what's happening, look at the local city, county-level crime data, even at certain neighborhoods within those uh, counties and communities, uh, because that's really going to give you a better picture of how crime is trending. And unfortunately, if you look at cities like Philadelphia, Chicago, L.A., many that we talked about in our articles – uh, the data does not look very good. Again, Zach Smith joining us, the uh, legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. One of the things I love about you guys at the uh, Heritage Foundation is that not only do you uh, point out, uh, you know, a, a problem, but you oftentimes will, will give a solution to the problem. Uh, have, have, have you looked into what we need to do as a society to bring these spikes down? 
Yeah, absolutely. It goes back to what we were talking about before, Kevin. Communities need to make sure that their police officers are, uh, their police departments are adequately staffed and adequately funded, that they have policies in place where good proactive policing can be accomplished in the community, uh, where officers are able to go out, engage with members of the community, make arrests when appropriate, and then have prosecutors in office who are willing to follow through and prosecute crimes. You know, in many of these cities, uh, the rogue prosecutors have taken the position that there are certain crimes that cannot be prosecuted that won't really have an adverse effect on the community. Things like shoplifting, things like simple possession of drugs, things like uh, prostitution, petty theft. And so I think we've seen that that approach is a failure, that this idea that you cannot prosecute certain crimes is just nonsense. And if communities move away from this radical approach to policing and prosecution and get back to the basics of putting cops on the street, empowering them to do their jobs and prosecuting criminals, uh, I think that's the most effective way uh, that's going to bring down these violent crime rates. Zach, we know for a fact that George Soros has had a profound effect on on uh, policing in America with the support for all these rogue DAs. How do we undo the 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 uh, the George Soros impact on, on our legal system? Well, I think the most important thing that uh, all of us can do is pay attention. Pay attention to who is our local elected DA. Pay attention to who is our attorney general. Uh, Nevada's attorney general has pushed forward some very controversial, uh, very uh, rogue prosecutorish policies over the past several years. And so I think it's important to pay attention. You know, unfortunately, the sad fact is district attorney races, even AG races in some cases, tend to be relatively low-profile, low-dollar affairs. And I think helping to understand the important role that those offices play in keeping our communities safe, understanding the policies uh, that they are pushing when these individuals run for office, uh, that is a great starting point in pushing back against this uh, you know, radical agenda that's being pushed on us. You and Colleen Stimson did really a phenomenal job with this, uh, this op-ed piece, this, this study. Uh, where can people pick up on it? Where can they find it? Sure. You can uh, find that piece and everything else I've written on X, formerly Twitter, uh, at TZ Smith. It's at TZ Smith. Or you can go to heritage.org and see everything that I've written, everything that Cully's written, and all the great work that many of our colleagues do in a host of different areas. And, and is this a problem that we can at least begin to fight in one election cycle, for instance, going to the polls in November? It's going to take time to reverse these trends. Let's be very clear about it. But the reverse in these trends cannot happen until the policies that are in place uh, are changed. And so certainly either getting the policies changed or getting the politicians who put these policies in place changed uh, is the first and necessary step uh, to bringing down crime rates in many of our communities. Zach, amazing stuff. You and Cully did an incredible job. Thank you so much for being a part of our program today. And and I know we'll talk again soon. These problems aren't going to go away overnight, as you mentioned. Uh, We'll be talking with you again soon. Thanks so much, my friend. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Great chatting with you. There you go. Uh, Zach Smith joining us, the uh, legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, Stay with us. Uh, This is caucus day in the state of Nevada. It's all going to happen. Make sure you're out caucusing tonight. 
Uh, the uh, former president of the United States is returning to Nevada today. Uh, Donald J. Trump will be back in our state, and we'll have a big celebration at uh, Treasure Island coming up tonight. We'll tell you more about that and a whole bunch more coming up. Uh, you want to join us? You want to be a part of the show? You can. Uh, are you going to caucus, or is it so complex that you've just given up? The whole thing of uh, primaries uh, versus caucus, uh have you given up on it, or are you going to participate? Call me right now, 844-2-NEVADA. That's 844-263-8232. I'm Kevin Wall. The program is live and local on AM 670 KMZQ. The revolution is being broadcast. Wayne Allen Root, this afternoon, 3 to 6, on AM 670 KMZQ. Talk radio, done right. This segment of the Long Life Era is powered by Paul Mortuaries and Cemeteries. Stay active, be healthy, they'd rather wait. Marla Letizia is the founder of Long Life Era Community Facebook Group. We also know her as Nanny Bubby. And you too can embrace the mindset at longlifemindset.com. Okay, I understand the Long Life Era is about to have their first IRL event. That sure sounds like an acronym. Fill us in. It is an acronym, and it stands for In Real Life. It's a Instagram term that, you know, young people use, so we're adapting it because we feel like we're young, happy, and living in our Long Life Era. And this is going to be March 2nd at the South Point. The Long Life Era community is going to have their own speakers room. This event is called Aging Wellness Expo. It is hosted by the Las Vegas Review Journal, and it's sponsored by Optum Healthcare. And in our Long Life Era speakers room, Dr. Jean, who we just spoke about having had a knee replacement, is going to be doing an isometrics uh, demonstration in the room. We're going to be discussing clothing and dressing in our long life era by top New York stylist, Lindsay Brene. And I'm speaking about a mindset to live 100 years or more. If you'd like to follow Dr. Jean's journey, you can do so by joining the Long Life Era Community Facebook group. Uh, give us the dates and times again of the South Point event, the IRL event. Yes, the In Real Life event is going to be at the South Point on March 2nd. The Long Life Era Community will have their own speakers room, and uh, the hours are going to be between 9 and 3 p.m. March 2nd. March 2nd. That sounds great. We'll see you there. Nanny Bubby, Marla Letizia, thank you so much. You too can embrace the mindset at longlifemindset.com. And on social media, you're invited to join the Long Life Era Community Facebook group. The world has fallen apart with the disastrous decline of our government, our cities, and our lives brought on by Joe Biden and his radical Marxist handlers. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Gunter, 110% behind President Trump, former U.S. ambassador, a dedicated physician for over 28 years in Nevada, and now I'm taking on the radical, liberal Jackie Rosen for the U.S. Senate. We've seen wars around the world from Ukraine to Israel, America's next, and we need to stop it. We need to close our borders and institute the largest deportation 
deportation program in U.S. history. We absolutely need to throw them out. We need to be energy independent and not reliant on those who hate America. Like I always say, drill, baby, drill. President Trump needs your help, and so do I. This is a political war on the home front, but we will win. Visit drjeffgunter.com to learn more, and let's take back our country, and let's take back the U.S. Senate. I'm Dr. Jeff Gunter, candidate for U.S. Senate, and I approve this message paid for by Dr. Jeff Gunter for Senate. I just moved here, and now I have to get permission from a licensing board before I can even get a job, and I need 1,600 hours of training before I can apply for the license. How am I supposed to do that and pay for rent? According to data from the Institute for Justice, the state of Nevada has the most burdensome licensing laws for low-income professions than any other state in the nation. Hair braiders, landscapers, even shampooers have to undergo hundreds or even thousands of hours of training and pay hundreds or thousands of dollars in licensure fees before they're allowed to work in the state, even if they're already licensed somewhere else. How does it cost so much to just to just get a job? Visit NevadaPolicy.org to learn more about the way unnecessary licensure requirements are burdening working Nevadans. This has been a public service announcement from the Nevada Policy Research Institute, a 501c3 nonprofit. You're listening to Live and Local with Kevin Wall on AM670 KMZQ. Talk radio done right. About 35 minutes away from the U.S. Supreme Court taking up the uh, ban of uh, Trump on the ballot, uh, yeah, in in the state of Colorado, and it's it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, if we can uh, go to that live, we will uh, a little bit after seven o'clock. Also coming up, Cash Patel will join us just after seven. Uh, then at seven thirty-five, uh, Sigal Chatta. The RNC National Committee woman for Nevada will be uh, up, and uh, she is she's an amazing, amazing woman and uh, a firebrand in the Republican Party here in the state of Nevada. Also, after uh, 8.05, uh, Michael Schaus. It's been a while since we had him on, political commentator and the founder of uh, SchausCreative.com. Uh, I want you to hear from John Kennedy. I wish Donald J. Trump would name him the vice presidential running mate. Uh, I think he'd be an incredible, an incredible running mate uh, for Donald J. Trump. Uh, He's John Kennedy. He's from Louisiana. And he was on with Martha McCallum yesterday. Uh, This was his reaction to the Senate voting down the border security bill. Uh, This is John Kennedy. Cut one. Go. I don't know if you got a chance to hear um, from Chief Owens, uh, who said that he was disappointed that this would have helped us to uh, make the country safer, would have cut down on the number of single adult males entering the the country that we've lost track of, not to mention these gang members as well. So tell us what your take is this afternoon as this thing has uh, has imploded. Well, for several days, Martha, the border bill has been dead. It's been, it's been as dead as Woodrow Wilson. Um, I, and now it's official. We just finished voting. There will be some who will want to continue to talk about this bill. 
it's their right, but I think they'll just be grooming a corpse. How we got here is no mystery. Some of my Democratic colleagues say Republicans welched on a deal. There was no deal to welch on. As part of the supplemental bill, we, uh, we asked to have some border provisions uh, uh, explored that might slow President Biden's open border down. Leader McConnell appointed James Lankford to do that. He did the best he could negotiating uh, with people who support an open border. He brought the product back to us in the Republican conference in the Senate. And we said, James, we appreciate your hard work, mm -hmm. but this is not sufficient. And that's what happened. Yeah. Well, you know, the question is whether or not it would have made people incrementally safer, because when you have a, a, a crisis that we cover here every day, and we're talking about people on the terror watch list who are crossing, you know, likely today, yesterday, while this whole thing is being discussed, people may be entering this country who are planning to do us harm. That, that, that's, a, that's, not a, that's a pretty real assessment, I think. It's a fair assessment. This is Kristen Sinema, who is obviously from Arizona, who was part of the mm -hmm. three-person uh, team, three-senator team, who put this deal together. Here's what she had to say this morning when she spoke with Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino. Watch. What our bill does do is close the border during times of high traffic. I do want to note, every single day this year, the border would have been closed had my bill become law. Every single day this year, because the number of people coming is so high. Obviously, she's very frustrated. Um, mm -hmm. She said that her, you know, in her home state, people don't want it. They don't care about politics. They want to make at least, and you, you just said, Senator, that you were looking for some provisions that would improve, right? And when you go through this, and I understand that people on both sides have very big, you know, differences over this, but you don't think there were some provisions in there that were worth moving on? I can't predict the future. I have to wait for it like everybody else. But I don't see how anybody could look at this bill and confidently predict it would have been an improvement. Well, the, the, um, the chief of the Border Patrol just said exactly that. Don't you think that he probably knows better than anybody what would have helped his people out a little bit? And I have great respect for him, but I disagree with him. Uh, it, this bill would have required President Biden. It was given him enormous discretion. And I don't think he cares. And when somebody acts like they don't care, sometimes it's not an act, Martha. Uh, John Kennedy, the Louisiana senator, and I, I, I'd, I'd love to see him on a ticket with Donald J. Trump. He would, he would make for some real comic relief. Uh, great, great stuff from uh, Deader Than Woodrow Wilson. You're not going to hear that out of any other American politician. This guy, this guy is kind of the Will Rogers of uh, modern-day politics. I absolutely love it. Uh, coming up on the program, Britt Hume breaks down uh, Nikki Haley. What is she still doing in the race? She's going to get zero.